Well, uh, we've been in this series called Parables, Stories That, that Changed uh, the World. Um, and uh, just a reminder, Jesus was a storyteller. Most of his truth came through, through stories. Um, and so this morning, we're going to get on one that, that, that's kind of one of my pet peeves. How many of you have pet peeves? You all have pet peeves? Okay. Anyone want to be real transparent and give me one of your pet peeves? Chewing? Yeah, chewing with their mouth open kind of a thing? Yeah, that one. Ugh. Being late. Any others? What's that? Dogs in the back of pickups, yeah. <laughs> I think we all have, have pet, pet peeves of some sort or another. Uh, one of my pet peeves is, is hypocrites uh, and, or phonies, you know, uh, people that claim to be something uh, they're not. Uh, they, they look like they're good people, but then they take advantage of you. And, and maybe part of that is I tend to be a trusting kind of person, and so I've been taken advantage of more than once. And, and you know, and then they're always like, they feel like they're superior because they tricked you. And I'm like, you're not superior because you tricked me. I trusted you. I gave you a human decency. So anyway, we won't go too far down with my own little thing about that. Uh, but, but especially religious hypocrites can be really dangerous. And, and Jesus called out leaders, uh, for religious leaders for being hypocrites. And so, so whenever I read that, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's my pet peeve. It was Jesus' too. Um, and, and in the church, they're the worst because they damage the reputation of Christ. And so the question really quickly becomes, and what, what does the Bible teach about hypocrites? What, what, what's, what's it have to say in all of that? And so uh, I want to take you to the parable of the weeds and the wheat this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn over to that. Uh, passage. Uh, at home, I would encourage you as well. I will kind of walk through the, uh, the verses this morning, but um, the weeds and the wheat. We've kind of been doing farming ones. I figured I'd get the hard ones out of the way because I'm not a farmer, and then we'll do something that maybe relate a little more uh, to, to me. So let's begin uh, with, with verse 24, and it, it says this, he put forth another parable before them, saying, okay, right? So he's, he's, he's teaching them another. He's been teaching in a series, okay? And this is what he goes on to say. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, there's a couple of things about most of these parables where you need to understand the context or the language. And in this particular case, that little phrase he compared uh, to, uh, this only appears, I think, twice in the, in the Bible. Uh, and it, in, normally with a parable... There's like one point, one little thing that that's what the kingdom of God is like, this sort of thing. But this particular phrase and the way it's done in the original language actually means this whole thing. It's almost more like an allegory, which was one of the early ways of interpreting the Bible, where all of the parts of this relate to the kingdom uh, of God. So this is kind of a, a par pay attention. It's actually an Aramaic idiom, which is the Aramaic is the language that was Jesus' uh, first language, his natural kind of language. Uh, and so um, it, it applies to the whole thing. And so it, it, it's broad and it strengthens the application uh, of this. And so the sower in this is God in this passage. Uh, and then picking up uh, verse 25, uh, oh, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Now, this, growing up, I always thought, well, that sounds like a weird thing for someone to do. Why would someone do that sort of thing? But when I kind of actually was doing the research on it, it turns out this was actually a problem in the first century. That people would do this all the time when a farmer would go out and, and plant, plant the, uh, the field, that, that his enemies would come along, and, and they would actually plant weeds uh, in there. Uh, and it was a way of either punishing your enemies or getting rid of the competition. You know, it, it was just a, a bad thing. In fact, it got so bad in 
the first century that Rome had to make a law against it. It wasn't just in, 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 uh, in Israel there. It was all, all over. They would, they would do this sort of thing. And so uh, this is a big deal that would actually happen. It's kind of a, a deliberate sabotage of your work. And so if you think about that, that's that's kind of a hard thing to think about what's going on. And so there's a, there's a message in that, and that is this. The kingdom of God has adversaries. There really is a kingdom of darkness. There really is an evil one that works against us. There, there really is a, a, an enemy. Uh, and, and honestly, I think sometimes we give him too much credit, you know. Uh, I, I have hung around people that everything that went wrong was the devil's fault, and I've thought, you know, if you made a little better choice a couple of places, it might have worked out a little bit. So I think he gets too much credit, but I also believe that he is there, and he is actively working against the church and against the body of Christ, and I'm not a big, you know, demonic oppression sort of thing, but I do believe there are times when the evil one comes against us. There are a couple, three times in my life where it just seemed like, you know, you've got to be kidding how the evil one was working uh, against it. And so um, this, this is different from like differences of opinion. That's not what's being talked about. You know, people within the body can disagree about things. That's not the devil at work in the, in the body of Christ. People of good faith just see things different. Amen? I, I hope you understand that. I hope you don't see people who have different opinions of you as your enemies. They're, they are not your enemies. If that were true, I would be my own enemy from five years ago because I've changed my mind about several things over the years, you know? So it, it, that, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a real enemy. Uh, an enemy is someone who is actively trying to sabotage the harvest. They're actively working against it. They do not have good motives. They are, it's not, you know, they don't understand. It's not a, a little thing. It's a big thing. And so then the question becomes, how do we treat our enemies? And this is where Jesus' messages are always so hard but, but wonderful. We treat our enemies with love, right? We, we, we bless them. We, we do good to them. That's what Jesus said. Don't repay evil for, for evil, even with our enemies, okay? So then, verse, uh, next verse, it goes on to say, um, so when the plants came up and bore grain, when the seeds, uh, then the weeds appeared also. And this, uh, this seems a little bit different, but you have to understand what's going on. Most scholars are, are really sure that, that, um, that the, this weed here is a ryegrass called darnel. Say darnel. Darnell, yeah, um, and, and so the way Darnell worked was, it's really sneaky, it was perfect for sabotage, when it first kind of came through the ground, you couldn't tell the difference between wheat and, uh, and, and Darnell, you had to wait until it grew up, and it, it wasn't until uh, it began to get the head on it that you could actually tell the difference. And if you look on my Facebook page, one of the, the promotions for Sunday has a picture of wheat and Darnell. And wheat has all these full grains on it. You can see it, and Darnell has like nothing on it. Uh, and so um, what's happening here is, is that they are now way into the harvest. This isn't just at the beginning where you can maybe plant it up, plow it under and start over. This has come up. It's come up quite a ways, and it's actually showing the, the fruit of, of the wheat. And so this is a crisis. They're, they're in trouble with all of this. They're in danger of, of losing the whole harvest, which really in the first century could mean you didn't eat in the, in the winter somewhere. And so uh, the heads have appeared, things are, are going on. And you can see that in how the servants react. The servants of the master of the house came to him and said, came and said to him, um, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have 
weeds. And so the servants are surprised. They're like, we have a good master. He does good work. He doesn't buy the cheap stuff. He does it. And, and they thought that the field would be perfect and complete and, you know, and an easy harvest. And, and the, again, this, this parable is meant to apply in all of its pieces, not just one or two. And, and this is a reality. I, you know, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but, but in your heart of hearts, how many of you have met people that thought the church should be perfect? Didn't take them long to get disappointed, did it? Because the church isn't perfect. I've been in the church of Jesus Christ all of my life. I was born on a Sunday. I was, I was dedicated on the next Sunday, and I've been here ever since. The church of Jesus Christ is not perfect. It will never be perfect, and, and it doesn't come close to perfect. And, and yet, Jesus, the church belongs to Jesus, so you would think it would be perfect, wouldn't you? But no, it, it's not. In fact, Jesus said it, it won't be like that. The church is filled with flawed, broken, imperfect people. Say amen. Don't look at anybody when you say that, but, but amen in, in that. It, it, that's just the nature of the church. And a, a part of spiritual maturity is understanding that, that, that the church is not perfect, that, that, that there are weeds and tares and darnell amongst us. And so that's one thing. But then the next stage is even more difficult. The kingdom of God has imposters. I mean... I can find it within my heart to deal with brokenness and flaws and, and all of that. But the imposters, those are hard. Those are hard. The fakes, the phonies, the hypocrites, the people that, that really are there for reasons other than spirituality, spirituality because they're interested in God. <laughs> and here's the hard part. This parable means Jesus told us it would be like that. It has always been like that. Hanging around churches, if you've hung around churches long, you've, you've met at least one of these people. I've met more than a few of these people, and it frustrates me every time because they damage the church, and I love the church. They take advantage of people. They're, they're dishonest. They're thieves. They're, they're liars. And just so you understand, here's a good example, but just kind of a little transparency on my part. Um, when I was freshly out of college um, and kind of working in the marketplace. My parents uh, were working on finishing up, getting moving towards retirement. And, and uh, I remember a phone call with my dad, and he was all excited about this new investment opportunity. And, and my parents were both in medicine, and back then you didn't make a lot of money in medicine. And so um, they hadn't saved a lot, but they were, they were saved all along. And, and he said, yeah, there's this guy in the church, and he's a really great guy, and he's going around to all the churches, and there's this new thing, you invest in this. And and I've been investing in it, you know, and I'm getting really great returns. Craig, you just wouldn't believe it. And I, I'm a little more skeptical. And I was like, Dad, I, I, don't, I don't know. Those are like almost too good to be kind of true. No, no, they're great. And they began to put more and more of their retirement in it. And, and even Dad borrowed some money to put in it because you were getting such great returns. And, and, and it was a guy in the church, and it was all church, and it was all for Christians. And it, it, it was all, it was a great thing, a huge returns. And then about the time... They, well, actually, shortly after they retired, they, they got a letter from, from a government agency saying that they had been involved in a fraud. Um, and they ended up losing two-thirds of their retirement. And, and the, the guy that was in the church that was selling to was an honest Christian guy. He got taken advantage of and lost everything else. But the whole thing had been marketed to Christians because 
well, because they were trusting. Because by our nature, we, we, we trust people. But, but it was a phony and it was a fraud. And, and for me, I, I struggled with that, honestly, with anger. Because this person had done real damage to my parents in retirement. And completely changed the way it looked. Instead of being able to live separate all of their retirement, they ended up having to live with me for uh, a good part of it. And I, and I love having my parents, but... They would have preferred the, the, the freedom that went with that. And, and so it, it left a bitter taste in my mouth. And, and the kingdom of God has imposters. And I, I'm just here to tell you, I'm here to warn you, and especially if you're, you're a newer Christian, you're going to bump into this sooner or later, okay? It, it doesn't mean that there isn't the genuine article. In fact, the vast majority of people in church, in my experience, are the genuine article following Christ. Not perfect, but following Christ. But there are also imposters. And so here, the message of this parable at this point is you've been warned. You've been warned. We are told to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. And that's so important. So, so what do you do? So Jesus gives us some instructions in verse 28. And he said to them, an enemy has done this. All right? So there's the enemy uh, language. And goes on to say, so the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Now, I'm with the servants at this point. Okay? I, I, I'm, I'm with them. Let's go in the field and let's pull this all out and get this all out of that. That makes perfect sense to me. Plus, it feels good emotionally. Right? You know, okay, we're going to get this, this guy and all of this. And, 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 and to me, it makes sense to garden. Now, like I said, I'm not a real big gardener, but I know that, that you have to go in a garden and you have to weed it. From How many of you have ever done weeding in a garden? Yeah, I, I remember doing that a number of times, usually under great protest <laughs> from my, my mom and then sometimes from my wife uh, as well. It's a good suggestion. It makes sense. This is the one where we sit around the board and we go, that's a good idea. Let's, let's do that. It, it matches our experience. And then here's what Jesus said. Turns out he had a different idea like he often does. He said, but he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. He goes on, let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, here's something you need to know about Darnell. Uh, Darnell has weeds that's, that roots that spread out like, like wheat does. And so unfortunately, by the time it grows far enough so that you can tell the difference between the wheat and the Darnell, all of the weeds are intermixed together. All of, all of the roots are intermixed together. So literally, if you pull it out, you damage the wheat that's there as well. And so uh, the master, Jesus in this case, knew better than the servants and, and I, I, I've actually kind of come to love this particular illustration because I can't tell you how many times I have pitched God with a really good idea only to have him say, nope, we're not doing it that way. I'd feel better if somebody said amen right about then, okay? You know, am I the only one that pitch? I pitch God all the time and I say, this is, you know, and he says, nope, that's, that, that's not an, uh, an idea. And, and, and so um, the truth of the matter is the, the, the fate of the wheat and the fate of the weed were tied together. And, and although my impulse is to purify the church, I, I want to get those, those people out of there. God, the, the father, the, the master knows better than us. Now you can say amen to that. He, he does. And, and honestly, the, the, the history of the church has huge examples of when they decided to go around and try and figure out who was in and who was out and how much damage that did to the church. You know, obviously, after it's been made obvious and those kinds of things, and you, you, there's certain discipline in the church, but you can't really know just looking at people. It, it doesn't work like that. In fact, the people who are the hypocrites are often the very best at appearing very, very righteous, you know. 
And, and so he says, no, you, don't, you can't, can't do that. And so here, here's the way I want to kind of say that. God's way is always better than our way, even when it doesn't make sense to us. I, this I know to be true. I have walked with the Lord a long time, and I've tested it more times than I want to talk about in all of that. The servant's suggestion was good. It, it made perfect sense. They just didn't understand what the master understood. They, they, didn't, they didn't have the perspective that he did. They didn't understand how it all worked together, and that is so true. God knows more than you and I do. He's the only one who can see over the horizon and around the corner. He's the only one that really understands how the universe works. He's the only one that understands what's in the hearts of people around you and I. We can trust him in all of this. And when we put our ideas ahead of God's, it always leads to trouble. Amen? Again, I have tested this principle more than once. This is why God is always telling people to obey. I know that sometimes in scripture it comes off when God's saying obey almost like God's a bully or he has an ego or something like that. That is not why God says obey. God says obey like a parent says obey to a child because you're trying to protect them. When I told my kids don't play in the street, it wasn't because I wanted to be a bully or prove that I was smarter than them or stronger than them or more important than them. I wanted to protect their lives, amen? And that's why God says obey because he knows more. He understands what's going on. And then, in addition to that, God's plans for you are better than your plans for you. Yeah, amen on, on this one. Even if you don't like it and you don't think it is going to work, God's plans are better for you. God's plans for you are better than your plans for you. Uh, I, I remember my own journey. It took me a long time to get into ministry. I, uh, in fact, I'm technically considered a second career kind of pastor. I had this big, long time in the marketplace. And and it, it just seemed like it took forever for God to get me where he wanted to be. I got a call while I was in high school. And then I kind of went to college and I managed to, you know, five years to get through the four-year program. And then God said, stop. And he, I was in the marketplace and I had, thought a whole other career. And I, what are you doing to me, God? Why'd you call me? How'd you do all this? It just, ah, it just drove me crazy. And then finally when we got a, a house and, and two cars and our first child and everything was wonderful, God said, nope, now I want you to go to seminary. I'm like, seminary? I'm 30 years old. What? You know, so we packed up like the Beverly Hillbillies and sold the house and it fell through and we had to put a renter in it. It was a disaster. And then we, you know, like the Beverly Hillbillies, moved to Kansas City, couldn't find a place to live, had to deal with all of that. Completely different place for us. And then I managed to cram a three-year graduate degree into five years. I was afraid to take a doctorate because I'd never get through that the way it was going. And finally got done with all of that. And at 35, I took my first church as a senior pastor. And I thought, God, what in the world have you been doing? But now when I look over that, every bit of that preparation was necessary. Even that part where I was, where I was in the marketplace, and I, I thought God must just have my life on stall. He didn't have my life on stall. He, he was preparing me. He was teaching me things. I learned so much in the marketplace. They play so much rougher out there than they do in, in the church. And, and he taught me all, you know, I was a little Nazarene kid that grew up in the church all the time. And he did so much during that time. God's plans for you are better than your plans for you, even if you don't uh, understand them. And now it makes perfect sense. So I tell people, God's, God's will rarely makes sense in the windshield, but almost always makes sense in the rearview mirror. Amen? When you can look back, you can see what did. I'm so glad I followed God's will for my life, and you will be glad if you follow God's will for your life too, even if it doesn't make sense. And then God's game plan for the church is better than our game plan for the church. God's game plan for the church is better than our game plan for the church. Yes. 
God says, welcome all. And we say, but Lord, have you seen this guy? But Lord, I'm pretty sure they're an imposter. But Lord, that... He says, welcome all. That's the way he does it. There's a, certainly there's a wheat and there's the tares, the wheats. But we have this tendency to want to sort them out, to, to look them up, up and down. I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been in the church long enough where I have seen people, when someone comes in that's a little bit different, kind of get this. You ever seen that? Don't, don't look at anybody, but... You know, and you can tell that there's kind of this, oh, I don't know about this part. And, and, and Jesus says, no, that's not the way we're to do it. You see, purifying the church is the servant's advice, not the master's advice. Let me say that again. Purifying the church, making sure there's nobody in here that's not a hypocrite, is the servant's advice, not the master's advice. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. That's what James says. In the world, but not of the world. And maybe I'm going off on this because I kind of grew up in a time when, when our denomination tended to think that if you were in the world, then you, you were worldly in some way. And, and they tried to separate themselves, and they had long lists of rules, and, and you couldn't do all kinds of things because that was all worldly. I heard, I heard lots of sermons on don't be worldly. And then I actually read the scripture and said, wait a minute. It's not talking about how you wear your hair or the kind of clothes you wear or whether you have a ring on or whether you go to a movie theater. It's talking about our heart being in the world but not of the world, being next to the tares and the wheat and all of those things that drive us crazy. And this is so important that we get this. In fact, on our elder board, before we, before we begin our business, I'm, I pray, and sometimes all of us pray, but I always pray, and I, almost always I, I will say, Lord, Help us to find your purpose and your will and give us the courage to do it because that's the only reason we exist as leaders in the church. Amen? Even if it's not my will, to find his. Because ultimately, this parable is about the harvest. It's about that one day there's going to be a great ingathering of the kingdom of God. That there's one day that there's going to be people who are far from God that are going to come back. And God intends us purposely to live among the weeds. To redeem them. You can share that with people. God wants us to live among the weeds. Doesn't sound like the prosperity gospel, does it? But, but it's not. It, it's, we are to live uh, among the weeds because, and this is where the parable doesn't go there, but the message is clear in the, in the gospels, because some of those tares and weeds will become wheat. That's the kind of God we serve. He puts us there to redeem. It, it's hard. Get this. God loves weeds. The God that we serve, love the weeds that are around you, even the ones that are in your garden. Now that's going to be hard for some of you gardeners to get, but, but that's the truth of this. And get this, now, now I'm going to give up preaching and go to meddling for just a bit. You were once a weed. Amen? That applies to all of us. Aren't you glad that somebody didn't purify you out of the process? Here's the deal. We are to be arms wide open people, to welcome and love everyone without passing judgment. That couple of parables ago. Remember the definition? Thou shalt not size me up and write me off. Thou shalt not size me up and write me off. And when people come who look different from us and who behave differently from us and their kids don't seem to be able to sit still in church and they make too much noise and all of those things that go on, you know, in, in churches, thou shalt not size me up and write me off. They may be weeds. They may be just investigating. 
praise be to God, we have a church who don't really follow Jesus where people come. Amen? That's what he intended. Will the frauds and phonies drive us crazy sometimes? Absolutely. But get this. Some will find Jesus and the trajectory of their lives and their eternal destiny will be changed. Some will find Jesus and the trajectory of their lives and their eternal destiny will be changed. Y'all should be up dancing in the aisles because that's what we exist for. They will become real wheat. They will become brothers and sisters in Christ. And before COVID hit, we had people attending our church who are not followers of Jesus. And we have people attending our church who have recently become followers of Jesus. They were the weeds and now they're, they're the wheat. That's the kingdom of God. That's what God intended. And remember the words of Jesus, the harvest is plentiful. But what was the problem? No workers. The workers didn't want to do it. The church didn't want to get engaged with that. Hear me, O church, when I say, God's kingdom will not be defeated by the enemy, so stop being afraid. What are we to fear? The devil can't win. The enemy can't win. The servants were worried about the, ha the, the harvest, but the message of the parable is God's got this. Even when the devil goes on open attack. Can I, can I just give you a little preacher secret here? I don't do this, but... Every once in a while when someone will say to me, Pastor, would you preach for me or pray for me? I just feel like the devil's really on the attack in my life. He's just really coming after me and my family and all of this stuff. And I always say yes, and, and of course I pray, pray for them. But there's a little part of me that wants to say, great, you must be doing good things for God. Because the devil doesn't bother with people who are on the sidelines. He goes after the ones that are making the difference. So I guess the, the, the end of the sermon should be, let the devil attack because we're doing such great work. No, I don't want to say that because I would never in, invite that. But I am telling you, the harvest will happen no matter what the enemy does. And that fact <laughs> should matter most to us. The kingdom of the darkness while among us is, in, is among us while we're in this life, but it cannot win. Let me say that one more time. The kingdom of darkness is among us while we're in this life, but it cannot cannot win. I've read the end of the book. God always wins. Amen? God wins. God is in charge. Be, be joyful. Be happy. Don't be afraid. You have nothing to fear from the, from the evil one. God wins through all of this. Uh, if our musicians could come, uh, we're going to sing together uh, in closing, but I want to I pray for us uh, before we uh, kind of get to that. Um, so I don't, yep, there they are. Um, let, me, let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, I confess that this parable grates against my own natural desire uh, to purify things, to not have to deal with those who are hard to deal with, to um, get the weeds out of the garden that is the church, out of the field that is the church. And yet I confess that your ways are better than my ways, Father, that you know things I don't know. And so, Father, I, I pray that you would make us a church that's uh, more concerned with winning people to you than, than being pure. <laughs> more concerned with changing eternal destinies than making their life easy because everybody sees it the same way. Father, that you would make us uh, a people that, that are looking forward to the harvest, Father, that are working on converting some of those tares in, into wheat, Father, that you would uh, make us a people that, that are good servants of the harvest and uh, of the kingdom, even if it's made harder because of the tares, Father. Give us patience. Uh, give us wisdom. 
most of all, give us a great love for those who are far from you, Father. And we'll be careful to give you all of the praise and all of the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship in Lord, worship the Lord in giving. For those of you who are in the sanctuary, we have boxes in the back as you go out. If you want to put offering uh, in there, that, that would be really great. This is probably a permanent change uh, for us. Uh, but for those of you, for you who's here and those of you joining in online, you can, uh, you can uh, give on the web page. Just go to the web page, uh, and on the right-hand side, there's a give thing. Click on that. You can also give in our app. Our app is one of the best ways uh, to give. I encourage you to do that. If you haven't downloaded it, do it. Uh, you can also text to give. Text GIVE784 to 77977. Give, 80, give 784, which is our scripture over here. We will tell the next generation, Psalm 78.4, to 77977. And you can also mail it in, uh, P.O. Box uh, 1654, uh, Marysville, Washington, 98270. And thank you so much uh, for your generosity and your faithfulness. We have been amazed at how faithful you have been uh, through all of this. We, we greatly uh, appreciate it. So let's worship the Lord and let's sing praise to the Lord as well. 